GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Have you seen the dramatic dives in recent weeks by northern gannets in waters around the rock? Where better to view that beautiful spectacle than Parsons Lodge? We're going to find out more about the new Natural History Museum that opened there recently with Dr Stuart Finlayson and Professor Clive Finlayson, who run it. But first, as the police dig continues at Town Range, the search for missing sailor Simon Parks has made international headlines. Who better to bring us up to speed than GBC reporter Roz Astengo, who's preparing a book on the Simon Parks story. Well, there isn't really much more to add from our story on Monday, which said that the police are on the rock. They're following a new line of inquiry and uh, they're digging in a very, very specific and limited site, which is right next to the Town Range car park. You remember they were here last year. Uh, The Town Range uh, car park was identified as an area of interest. And this is... Um, the back passage, if you like, from the the car park to the Rock and the Rock Club. And there is a a fence now that separates the two areas, but in 1986, that fence wasn't there. So you'd go into that car park area. Um, I I don't think it was used as a car park back then. I think it was more of a sort of a dumping site, building site, uh, and you could just easily go in the back there. And that area is where they're specifically looking, um, uh, uh, looking at this time. Now, and it was flagged up. I know personally that it was flagged up to them last time. Now, whether this new line of inquiry is simply that they are now looking at an area that they do think is worth looking at, or whether they have new information that has come to their attention that I'm not aware of, I don't know. They're keeping their cards very close to their chest. Uh, So I I don't have those details. But I have been in touch with Hampshire Police this morning, and I've asked them if there's any update. This is day three of the dig now. Uh, They had to start very late because of the um, downpour. They would normally have been Mm. on site early in the morning, so they were there. They didn't get there until mid-morning, late morning. Um, And I'm told that they don't really want to provide an update at this point, but they have my number they know me very well by now and uh, of course if there's anything they will notify me straight away and there's uh, there's international interest in this story yes well the sun is in Gibraltar at the moment and um i actually have a contact at the sun mike sullivan he is their crime editor and he's been with the paper for over 20 years. I was introduced to him recently. And um, so as soon as I said, look, Hampshire police are here, he got on the plane straight away and has come over. So I've spent the day ha- afternoon with him yesterday, just giving him some background because, um, I-, I mean, I've I've been working on this story for a few years now and uh, I'm, I'm really, really closely acquainted with it, but um, not everybody has all the details. So I was uh, helping filling some gaps yesterday, taking them to the site um, and uh, I'm meeting them later today. I also have a really good contact at the Daily Mail so I notified them. They posted the story up last night so that's there and uh, and I know that Associated Press have now caught on as well. Now Associated Press is a news agency and my strategy last time, because publicity is so important for this story, it's really important that we keep Simon's name out there uh, particularly because his suspected killer is um, going to be getting and is, is slated for an oral parole hearing 
um, on the 15th of February now. Alan Grimson murdered two young men in 97 and 98. Also on the 12th of December, he got 22 years, 25 years um, life sentence, reduced to 22 years. So he's down for this parole hearing. But of course, there's still questions about Simon Park. So it's a bit of a race against time. The police want to do everything that they can to possibly locate Simon's remains with the information, this new information that they have. And, um, you know, before the parole hearing. And um, so I think, I don't think the public would... (laughs) Uh, rest easy if the main suspect gets released on parole and with he, questions he the, over Simon Park still. He is the police's main suspect? He is the police's main suspect, and he always has been their main suspect. There's never been anyone else. So, um, you know, and he claims he's innocent. His lawyer says he's innocent. Um, In so, respect of this crime? In respect of this crime. So, but the police... Well, and again, um, suspected suspected crime, because we don't know for a fact that Simon was murdered. We just, that's the, that's the, seems the the most likely cause. We believe his death, he died on the 12th of December, and that's an RGP report, uh, police report, that uh, came to that conclusion. There's, there's no doubt at all, um... That he did die that night because he was uh, a, a loving son. He was very close to his family. He was desperate to get home. He had very little, if no money, on him. Uh, he didn't have his passport on him. Um, so it's 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 um, there's there's no doubt really that he did die that night. But the but the important thing is that um, it's catching on um, in the international media, and that's important because there may still be someone out there who saw something that night who may have some information and, uh, you know, either they're, they're not aware that they have the information or simply that they do have that info but have never wanted to come forward before, but maybe after 37 years they might think, well, you know... We live in hope. Hmm? Yeah, so you never know. So that's why the publicity is really important. So... Um, so let's let's hope that um, more people do come forward. I mean, there are phone numbers. If anyone wants to get in touch with the police, they should call Hampshire Police on 101, quoting Operation Thornhill. Crime Stoppers Anonymously on 0800 555 111. Or the Royal Gibraltar Police on 200 500. Any information at all that could help them with their inquiry and their search would be very much appreciated by the family. I know David and Margaret Parks are... Really anxious at this time and yeah. hoping for good news. Um, just in case somebody has just joined us, let's let's hear what uh, Margaret told you recently. I know it's a long time ago, but people hold on to memories and it's never too late. Please come forward if you do know something. And what we always uh, hear said, and I presume it's because it's true, is that um, you're, you may have some information which you think isn't really that big a deal, but you don't have the full picture necessarily, um, whereas the police are trying to piece together small bits of information that might lead them to, to solve the, the overall puzzle. That's exactly what it is, Jonathan. It's 37 years ago, and don't forget that it was a, in an innocuous night for everybody. Everyone was out drinking, having fun. You wouldn't necessarily think that something slightly out of the ordinary or odd or something that might have caught your attention has any significance whatsoever. But if you put that tiny little piece of the puzzle together with the rest of the pieces, 
it might fill a little gap. And that's why it's so important. The 12th of December, 1986, Simon was drinking at the Horseshoe Pub. He left at about 10, half 10. He turned left. He was heading towards the dockyard, heading south on Main Street. He likely stopped outside the Angry Fryer. He was seen out there. He may have been seen a little bit later on outside the hole in the wall bar. That town area is the key area. Something happened there. Um, And... He was never seen again. So if anyone recalls anything at all, please get in touch with those numbers. Rosa Stengel, thank you um, for bringing us that update and and we wish uh, everyone involved in this the very best of luck. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The team from the new Natural History Museum at Parsons Lodge are excited to be working on new projects, including a rewilding programme, and their hope is to involve schools and the community more generally. Uh, but it's my pleasure to welcome now Dr Stuart Finlayson and Professor Clive Finlayson. Um, so, Hello. gents, the uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us at Broadcasting House. The uh, museum launched... Um, just when the election had been called, so our, our, our coverage uh, was was a little bit light, and we thought we we need to catch up with um, with the Finlaysons and see how the first few weeks have gone. Um, so, what, what can you tell us? Well, it's been quite busy since we opened. We we had a lot of visitors coming in. Um, there's been a big push from a lot of locals. Um, coming to see the site, but also tourists. A lot of people that are, for example, walking or cycling in the direction of um, Europa Point, they've also been stopping off, and we've been hearing very good things. That's great. Um, So just by way of orientation, it's in the South District, very close to Rosier Bay, just before you get to to Camp Bay, right Mm -hmm. next to to Victorling Yard. Uh, And and for somebody who hasn't yet visited, what, what can they expect? Well, it's... Gibraltar's first natural history museum. In fact, it's the first museum in Gibraltar since the Gibraltar National Museum in 1930. And we've we've tried to do it a little bit differently, a slightly more modern take to it. And a lot of it has been, you know, encouraging people to be able to look at the natural fauna and flora there. And obviously that includes this reintroduction program of species that have been uh, living in Gibraltar in the past may have disappeared for various reasons and using it as a place to reintroduce these species and possibly then, from if they breed, reintroduce them in other areas around Gibraltar. So, so Parsons Lodge, um, th- there's a fortification there mm-hmm. which is effectively sort of <clears throat> sheltered, but there's also a fair amount of outdoor space. There's a fair amount of outdoor space. In fact, I, I'd, I'd probably argue most of what what happens there is, is in the outdoor space. So it's it's a really good area where, you know, People can walk around, enjoy the views, um, the greenery, and some rabbits, <laughs> um, uh, tortoise as well that we've been introducing, and some others that we ha- we have planned for the area. The views are amazing, and obviously trying to take into account the the historical value of of the actual place as well. Uh, and let's let's bring in Professor Clive Finlayson. Uh, I I sort of have uh, I follow a lot of bird photographers uh, on social media, and I've seen some amazing photographs of um, northern gannets diving into the waters around the rock. And, and I imagine that that's a pretty good place. Uh, Parsons Lodge would be a pretty good place to do some bird watching from. Yeah, and to photograph. In fact, some of the northern gannet diving photographs that I've taken in the past have been precisely from there. Um, but even amazing, um, we have a, a gallery um, within the building of, of, of photographs, our own photographs of the wildlife of Gibraltar. And, you know, you'd be amazed at 
how many of those have actually been taken from Parsons Lodge itself. It's a little haven. It's it's fantastic for the for the coastal species now, but also on migration. If you think about it, if you look from there, the first thing you see is the coast of Morocco. So any migrating bird coming in over the water makes a landfall there. So so it's a privileged location. And this goes in with, with Stuart's uh, idea of the, the living museum. We have exhibits, we have we're showing the, the old fauna of Gibraltar, but we've also got that living space, and this is what we want to particularly develop as an educational uh, facility. So uh, so the idea would be to, to try and see if schools are interested in visits, and, and, uh, and then that would they can spend some time in the outdoors, but see the flora, flora and fauna? At the Gibraltar Museum, we work with the edu- our education department works um, with with the schools already, what we're trying to do is rope that in and being able to offer different things uh, to these schools where they can come down, see these things and learn a little bit about natural history. Whereas in the museum, we've been targeting things like, you know, more the historical aspects, Neanderthals, etc., um, yeah, so I mean, I think we, we've known for a while that you guys are, are sort of big on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do you feel that then that this this has sort of filled uh, a gap effectively that you couldn't really go to a place in Gibraltar? I mean, I'm trying to think out loud here. You could probably go up the rock and, and, and sort of take in the, you know, the, the Barbary macaques and, and see the gulls. But, but this sort of does something that, that we, we weren't really offering previously. No? That's right. And, it, and it's, it's in a controlled environment which also in terms of school groups means that you know the the place is is manageable in that sense um but we have been using it in the past during the the summer program for example we've done archaeological like pretend archaeology you know test pits and so on and that's been very popular with the school groups um so we're not going to limit it just to the natural history but certainly one of the ideas we have now, coming in the spring now, it's, it's uh, right at the top, is a wonderful observatory, probably the best place in Gibraltar to observe the migration of birds of prey. So one of the things is we, we plan to do is to have uh, if, uh, days when we, we, know, we call to the public, come and we, we can be there and share the experience with you. The wildflowers and the butterflies and the insects are amazing there, so that's another possibility. It's good, and, good and, time and what, of the year, next, next few weeks and months. Absolutely, huh? and one that we're starting, and you're getting the... The announcement here now, we're starting very shortly, is um, we are reopening the, the sieving. There's a lot of material from Gorham's Cave from last summer still to be processed and sieved. We have our own archaeologists. We also have uh, Fran Hillers. We also have Dr. Alex Menes in the museum. And we have, who's arrived today for an, on a six-month sabbatical, Dr. Juan Mahi Menes from the University of Granada. He's the director of the Orsa project, um, which is with Atapuerca. They're the two biggest prehistoric project so the director's with us for six months and we're going to reopen the sieving station in the afternoons in Parsons Lodge between two and six and we're going to open it to the to volunteers from the public if you want to come and participate in the find out what the species were finding the animal the animals that live there and coming in the sediment contact us because it's going to be a wonderful experience in the next few months between now and when we go back to digging in the caves. That's great. So what would it entail? Like literally getting your hands dirty, uh, sifting yeah, through? Yeah, sifting we will have, it will be supervised and then it's a question of going through washing the material, the, the, so- the soil and the very exciting process of looking for the remains of bones and uh, other animals or artefacts <clears throat> that, that were left there. So we're really quite excited. And, and this is the kind of thing that when we talk of a living museum, we want to do there. We want to actually 
bring people in and come and see for yourself. Not everybody can go down to Gorham's Cave, but here you can see an element of that work. And uh, I think more and more museums are, are, are trying to be places where things are done, no? as well as sort of you, as well as looking at things and, and and sort of thinking about them. You actually do something because when you when you do something an activity, you, you learn about it better. Absolutely, one of the things that you know we realized a long time ago is that our competition, if you like, and not other museums, our competition is the internet, Facebook, yourself. It's 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 a wider. So therefore, you have to, you know, use your imagination a little bit, um, and and offer things. And particularly, one of the things about museums is what defines them is that we we deal with original artifacts and so on. And, and that's the, what differs us from interpretation centres. Uh, and the ability here to to see and experience that kind of work, I think that hands-on element is very important to us. Can I just ask you about the um, more recent historical um, military use of Parsons Lodge? Uh, for somebody who's looking at the um, at the actual fortification, what, what's the significance of that place? Well, it's obviously uh, a very important site. We've uh, added interpretation um, to to the place. You'll be able to see all of the original views, and it'll mention you'll you'll have different bits of information talking about some people that may have been involved. In, in work around the area, in, including um, White, for example, who, who started, identified the original breccias that were just below. So I think people should go and, and, and take a look and see what they think. Excellent, because it is a, a museum of natural history, but obviously it's it's uh, played a significant role in, in Gibraltar's kind of uh, p- political, m- military development over the years as well. We were talking a little bit about uh, the, the sort of desire to work with uh, schools, to, to bring in young people, uh, and, and I suppose it, it, it'll take a while before this natural history museum uh, sort of registers fully on people's minds, uh, Gibraltarians, people living in Gibraltar, as something potentially to do uh, on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. for example. No? So, so I imagine you've got some uh, events coming up that, that, that'll help with that? Absolutely. In fact, one of the things that we're, we're working on at the moment, we're looking at probably some, sometime in early spring to start evening events. And the idea is where uh, parents can bring their children in the evening, uh, sunset time, and maybe do uh, an, a walk around with one of our scientists, one of our specialists from the museum, uh, looking at different things. It could be an evening on mini beasts. It could be an evening looking at tortoises. And that scientist will be able to explain different things, give them little insights, and they can actually be looking for these things and looking at them hands-on on site. How exciting. And, um, and, and tell us a little bit more about the tortoise that you've got there, because it's a, re- it's a reintroduction, it, it, it's sort of a it endangered is. in Iberia. Yeah. So many people don't realise, you know, we, we talk about the tortoise, but this is the Testudo Hermani tortoise. That is the native tortoise of Iberia. The thing with this species is that it, it's actually going extinct, Um, There's very few of them left. There's only a a small pocket of them in the wild uh, in the area of Barcelona at the moment. And what we've been able to do is actually bring um, some of these individuals, we brought in three females and three males, um, into Parsons Lodge. So this is really the first time that the Iberian uh, tortoise is actually being reintroduced anywhere. And um, what, what, what has threatened it in the wild? Well, I think persecution, development... Um, and so on, um, people, basically, in a lot of these areas. You know, they're slow-moving animals. Um, but obviously, we're bringing them into a place where we're able to take care of them. They're protected. And not only that, the, the temperature, the, the climate in Gibraltar is obviously perfect for them. So we're really hopeful 
we're hopeful that they may breed. Um, that would really be uh, quite exciting. And let's see what comes from that. Any sort of, do they, do they seem to be getting along well? They are getting along very well. <laughs> One of the females seems to be uh, doing the right things, and we've also been able to uh, develop certain parts in Parsons Lodge, um, creating certain areas with the, the, the right type of soil, the right type of sand, um, for them to be able to lay. So we're hopeful. And when you look at uh, Professor Finlayson, yeah. No, I would like to also say a little bit, if I may, on the humble rabbits, because as I hear, you know, sometimes see a comment. I think a lot of people appreciate what we're doing and see the value of it. But some people say, well, yeah, it's releasing fewer rabbits. But um, the rabbit is rapidly, for a start, the rabbit is an endemism of the Iberian Peninsula. Even though it's spread across the world, it's been taken by people, they're endemic to the Iberian Peninsula. In fact, not many people know, but Spain, the, the Roman name Hispania, means land of rabbits. Really? Must, yeah, there must have been a lot of rabbits around. So, you know, um, part of what's been going on now in, in the Iberian Peninsula is the rabbit has been in serious decline. Myxomatosis and a lot of other things. And that has knock-on effects. Now, there are certain species uh, of predator that have, are endemic to the Iberian Peninsula, were once here, um, and are specialists of rabbit. One is the Iberian lynx, which was the second most endangered cat in the world now. I think it used to be the most endangered. And the other is the, the Imperial Eagle. Now, a lot of places they, like to, They hunt the rabbit. They, they specialise almost exclusively. <laughs> An Iberian lynx has to eat a rabbit a day to survive. And if oh, it wow. eats a partridge, it doesn't have enough calories. Anyway, don't want to get into too much detail. But places like Doniano, emblematic for the Iberian lynx, the Iberian lynx has gone really down because the rabbits have gone. But in places like Sierra Morena, where they've had a reintroduction of rabbits, the lynxes are expanding. And in fact, the, the population level of the lynx now is higher than it's ever been in recent times. So so there can be a knock-on effect. I'm not saying that we're going to introduce lynxes to Gibraltar, but I'll tell you a little anecdote. Last September, one of my usual trips up to cable car station there to watch the bird migration, suddenly a huge bird of prey came past and landed on a tree by a rock gun, and it was an imperial eagle, not a migratory bird. And suddenly I saw another one. So there were two. There was a pair was there, and the other one was by the, the golf ball, landed. And you know, they were hunting rabbits by rock gun. Amazing. So it just gives you an idea. So, so even the humble rabbit, which has its own heritage, in giving in giving Spain its name, um, it's it's interesting that you know we can repopulate these things because they can have knock-on effects, and not many people realise that. Como se enteraron? They must have seen a news item. They smelt the <laughs> rabbits reintroduced in Gibraltar. Vamos llegando. No, but it's, it's amazing, not to yeah, think that the, absolutely. I mean, they, they, what they'll have seen them from sort of super high up. Well, right? these people wander around, and if, if suddenly there there are populations, you know, uh, expanding. I mean, another one is the eagle owl. The eagle owl is now being seen very regularly. Um, Beautiful bird. Uh, yeah, and, and including around the Gorham's Cave area. And I think the eagle owls are partly eating rabbits, um, partridge maybe, and, and they eat a lot of the gulls as well. So, so you know, we have that sort of fauna there waiting on the lurking, you know, to, to, to come back. And, and sometimes what they need is space. So if I can bring the Gorham's Cave into area into that, I think that's an area that now is, is very protected, very quiet and peaceful, 
And we have a lot of evidence of eagle owls hunting in the Gorham's Cave complex. You mentioned gulls there, I think, and, and I was uh, at home thinking the other day just um, how gulls are, are such a, you know, they're, they're everywhere in Gibraltar, but they are natural history, and uh, when you look when you look at them up close, they're impressive mm-hmm. creatures. I mean, what, what, what do you, what were your thoughts and feelings towards uh, the gulls, and, and, and you know, uh, given how many we have in Gibraltar, are, are they appreciated? Yeah. Well, I don't know Stuart's view, but my, mine is that uh, they're beautiful creatures, and although there are, they're not as many as there were in the early days. And if, and if I can sort of, I'm old enough to know, remember this, it was back in 1978 that the problem started, and we were involved in the culling. I was then in Gons, and we actually were very involved with the RAF at the time in culling the gulls, because the problem was the ones from Rock Gun, all the young ones would go and sit on the runway. Um, and the population there may have been in the region of maybe 20,000 birds, and there's probably in the region of maybe one or two thousand at the moment. So even though there's a lot... <coughs> excuse it's me. It's a fraction of what it used to be. Yeah, so... But they're beautiful birds, and we should take them as part of that uh, environment. They are beautiful birds. Um, the thing is that, you know, Gibraltar seems to probably... We're, we're actually working on this at the moment. It's probably part of a source population for the entire area. Um, and the reason that they're expanding is because they're just really good at it, and they're adapting. So, you know, we have rubbish out they'll go for the rubbish and if if there's a rubbish tip in the area they'll go for the rubbish tip so they're doing well and that's probably why it it upsets so many people but um you know it's part and parcel of of, of living in an urban environment like gibraltar could things be done possibly Stephen, it's one of those. Not that it's sort of. Um, it makes you think that mm. it is a, a beautiful creature, but it, it, you know, there's uh, when they interact with <coughs> with us, and 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 you mentioned uh, rubbish there. Mm. That it sort of gives rise to rise to issues, mm. and those issues aren't necessarily only uh, about the gulls. No, no it's, it's also about how you put out your rubbish and when. And absolutely, exactly. absolutely. One of the things we've started two years ago, and Stuart just hinted at it, is we've started and we've been working <coughs> not just here but along the coast with the team from. Uh, Doniana, and we've put uh, GPS satellite tracking, so we're now tracking our gulls, and we know what they're doing, and it's extremely interesting. There are some individuals that regularly go to the rubbish tip in Los Barrios, there are others that go regularly to the one behind the Stepona, and there are others that cross the strait and go to a rubbish tip um, south of Ceuta every day, oh, wow. there and back. But of course, the interesting thing is some of these we tagged urban gulls, the ones that nest in roofs, and cliff gulls, and they all mix mix around. There are cliff gulls from Gorham's Cave that in the summer go every day to Commonwealth Park to wash and bathe. Amazing. It's, it's, and, so we're learning a lot. And I think what that what shows as well is that it's, it's not just what is happening in Gibraltar. You know, um, a lot of these feeding grounds are outside of Gibraltar. That's one of the things that we're learning from it. These animals are even going to Morocco, feeding, coming back. So Gibraltar's obviously... I a... like the sound of that, actually. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Pop but over for a tagine and then come back. Yeah, 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 popping over. <laughs> but literally, you know, Gibraltar's obviously a good place for them to be able to breed. It's got the right conditions. You, you know, it's a little peninsula sticking out into the sea. So it's a good place for them to breed. But it's obviously being affected by these tips that are in areas around us. Um, and that is obviously one of the reasons why the population is probably doing so well. And, and that shows our interconnectedness as well. With, with A little anecdote, coasts. which is by the by, but uh, the team, uh, one of the sites in, in near the coast of Welva, <clears throat> they were tracking the gulls as part of our project, and they kept seeing that, that these gulls were going to a location over and over, but there was no known rubbish tip there. When they went, they found an illegal rubbish tip. 
knock on effect, but it's, it's interesting you because you can the gulls and then you can the find out the, yeah, the the illegal activities. <laughs> interesting. Um, okay, let's let's bring it back to, to Parsons Lodge, which which we've said is a, a great place to to sort of do some bird watching from, and and there's much more on display uh, than just the than just gulls. Uh, with the greatest of respect to uh, to them, uh, tell us a little bit about what we could see at the moment, because uh, we mentioned earlier the the northern gannets diving down. Um, it's a good time of the year to, to to be looking out for birds from there, isn't it? Well, if you walk around, you'll you'll be able to see on the the areas where you're looking at the coast. There's there's various species. The gannet is is definitely one of these um, impressive species that you'll be able to see from Parsons Lodge. There's other species such as terns and so on. Uh, various species of gulls that are always you know popping in and out. Um, yes, Shags. absolutely. The, yeah. the, the 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 green cormorants, as they say, we've got a really good population which. Again, it was a species that was in massive decline. The population is is breeding really well in Gibraltar at the moment. Um, So there's more examples of them that you can see uh, down at Camp Bay and so on. So those are the marine species. And then obviously, if you go up onto the top of the battery, which is where we're intending a lot of people to to be able to go, you'll be able to start experiencing things like the migration and, and, and so on. So, I mean, raptors, uh, 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 you, you mentioned the shag, and, and, and I, um, uh, my friend lives uh, in Roja uh, Plaza and, and sent me a video of uh, dolphins chasing in um uh the, the flying fish yeah mm. uh, and then and then sort of uh, mm. I, th- I think it must have been the shags coming down to to, to swoop down and no they don't swoop they, they, they could have swoop, been the gannets probably the gannets or yeah. shear waters yeah. well, oh shear waters that's what that's what it yeah, was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that yeah. would have been earlier in the year it would have been it wasn't it january or no no the shear waters the, the shear waters are now in in south africa oh, okay. so there must have been gannets and if oh, it's okay. now it's gannets okay so again one of these spectacles that you can see um from from the site and then yeah, the, the, there's a huge turnover of species now beginning to start. I mean, one of the first ones you'll start seeing there now, due to come any time now, is the hoopoe. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and then from there, there'll be warblers, all kinds of things. And, of course, we, we also participate with some of the bird ringing. And um, Parsons Lodge, we've, we've done some bird ringing there. We may do a bit more. Um, and, in fact, I found that back in the 50s, I think it was, Actually, some some officers had actually used Parsons Lodge for ringers. It was probably Gibraltar's first bird ringing station. <laughs> Brilliant, um, and uh, because of the advent of uh, this new natural history museum, then at Parsons Lodge, does it free up any space uh, at the uh, museum on Bombhouse Lane at all? Have you moved anything across? No, it it, it's, <clears throat> it certainly uh, has freed some space. We're never happy. There's always the need for more. But even for example, this autumn we opened the new Great Siege Gallery. That was partly thanks to space that was released because of this. Um, and, of course, not all the space has to be exhibition space. A lot of problems that all museums have is storage. Um, so, so there's yes, definitely part of the, the, the deal that we did ourselves internally was that this would release space in Bomb House, and we continue to develop Bomb House as well. Okay, and um, the uh, we've talked about the plan for um, uh, events, including bird migration, bird migration observation days. Um, I think that you're sort of open to the idea uh, that uh, if tour operators want to book in tours outside of the normal hours, that that that, that can be arranged as well. Absolutely. We're very keen on that, in fact. We've been speaking with many tour operators. Some of them have um, come at our invitation to see the site, and we're trying to collaborate and work with them to see how we can fit that into you know, their, their, their routes uh, and so on. But yes, definitely, um, we're even willing to open 
for these groups outside of standard hours, if, if you like. It's we really want to encourage it. We really want to get the, the uh, people coming in. Brilliant. And, and what's the response been like so far then in terms of numbers of people through the door and in terms of interest from those um, tour groups? It's Well, the interest is there, definitely. I think people are really quite keen seeing a new product. I think they just need to then see how they can work it into their system. Um, as for people, it, we've only been open for a couple of months, really, um, but extremely promising. I mean, when we when we started, we were getting really good numbers uh, of people. And even now, I mean, winter, I, I say even now because of the weather, no other reason, um, but we're getting constant uh, flow of people. So, Especially locals. Yeah, uh, on Saturday mornings, yeah, it's very yeah. popular. There's a lot of interest there, so uh, yeah, I'm very, very encouraged by it. As I say, I think it's a great place to go. Actually, having uh, seen uh, the, the the footage that our cameraman captured, I haven't been there yet myself, but yeah. having seen the the footage that our cameraman has captured of it, 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 it strikes me as a great place to take a young family on a Saturday morning. Mm. It's also a great place. I mean, I was, I was showing your camera guy around yesterday, and it, you know, there's a lot of seating and comfort there. If you want to just go spend a few hours and read a book in peace and quiet, it's not a bad place for it. Sounds great. I can think of far worse things. Um, why don't we wish you every success, and I'm sure that when you um, organise some of these events in the coming weeks and months, uh, Stuart, you can, uh, you can let us know and we can help um, spread the word and make sure that uh, as many people as possible enjoy the new Natural History Museum at Parsons Lodge. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us, Professor Clive Finlayson and Dr Stuart Finlayson. Uh, this is Gibraltar today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we're going to, of course, show you the Parsons Lodge Natural History Museum. If you're tuned in tonight, uh, then uh, we'll be able to to show you what it looks like, but uh, highly recommend that you head down there. Uh, be before you head off, uh, Dr. Finlayson, let me just double-check that it's uh, open uh, weekdays between 10 and 6, Saturday? It's 10 and 2, Te Monday and two, to Saturday. And then, and then, okay, that brilliant. We'll be opening till six for the for the for the, for the, 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 the sieving. We'll be opening between two and six. And, and you've invited people to, to get in touch well, if absolutely. they want to, if they want to be they a can, part of it. They can contact us either at inquiries at jibmuseum.gi or neanderthals at jibmuseum.gi. Send us an email. Excellent. All right. Well, we hope you have a great response to that. Sounds like a really good fun. Uh, so the Natural History Museum then open between ten and two Monday to Saturday. Go check it out. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.